Lil Babs, this shit crazy. Jamie on the beat, boy. Well, hello, this is the trophy room. People, I realize that it's week five, but I'm still so grateful to have football. Also, yes. I'm whispering because I live in an apartment with four other people and the only time that I've found to do this again is literally right before I go to class in the morning. So I'm up early, we're rocking, we're rolling, but I gotta be a little bit quiet because I'm not trying to wake everybody up. Yeah, no, football's back, it's week five, I get it, and last week was crazy, this week's so much to get to, I believe we have Bills Chiefs this week, we have undefeated Tennessee going to play undefeated Alabama, so like everything we got to go into all right coming up we have the top 25 to react to you just heard we got a couple matchups we got to react to we have uh professional athletes just body checking people and then d ends and d tackles you would think making john cena wwe style hits the way they're getting flags thrown that is all coming up as you know we are sponsored by the good people over at jim candy so head over to jimcandygummies.com as well as their social instagram and tiktok go test out the product that is revolutionizing the pre-workout market all right where to start people where to start let's just start because it's fresh I'm sure you heard a lot of people talk about it yesterday but let's just we got a couple things to get to with this raiders chiefs game first off I am having the hardest time figuring out the, the, the Raiders because right now, I believe they're tied for fourth in the AFC West. Actually, they're not. They're dead last in the AFC West, and that's behind a Broncos team that I think we would all agree is one of the worst teams in football, and somehow they've won two games. But if you're like me, you're having the hardest time figuring out this Raiders team. Because on paper, like, they have a defense. It's not incredible, but they have a defense. You have Max Crosby on one side, Chandler Jones on the other side. So you got the edge rushers. And the defense was good enough to get them to the playoffs last year despite and keep them in games despite all of the outside noise that goes on. Talk about stats, talking about whatever. But to get a team to a playoffs with the way Justin Herbert played in that, mu- that must-win game to get to the playoffs last year, great defense. And then on top of all of that, you have... Sorry. You have Derek Carr throwing two. Sorry. Devon Derek Carr throwing to Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. This Max Hollins kid's pretty good. You have Josh Jacobs at running back. And I realized they got rid of their left tackle, but like Derek Carr had a decent amount of time to get the full out football out against the Chiefs. And as soon as Darren Waller comes back, I think that'll change a lot of things. The issue is every single game they've played is close. So their their total points per game, they're scoring twenty five. 
they're giving up 26 points per game. So every game they're playing, averaged out, is a one-point game. It's very close. They're 5 for 7 on fourth down. They're almost 50% on third down. They're 24 to 60. And so, and again, it's a quarterback's league, right? Derek Carr is an incredible quarterback. I think we would all agree is top 10 in the league. And right now he's completing completing 61% of his passes. Not incredibly high, but not terrible. And outside of the Chargers game week one, he's thrown one pick the entire year. In those last four games, he's thrown one pick. So they're not turning the football over at a high rate. He's throwing about two touchdowns every game. This is where I think the issue lies with the Raiders. Devontae Adams is incredible, and if you have him in fantasy, you know that. I think the offense is hyper-focused and concentrated through Devontae Adams. Because if you look at Devontae Adams, even in Green Bay, like... The offense ran through him. Let's just go ahead and see if we can find out how many targets he has. Okay. So versus Denver, not this last week, the week before, he had 13 targets. Tennessee had 10 targets. And the Chargers, he had 17 targets. And for some reason, it's not wanted to tell me how many he had against the Chiefs. But I bet you it was right up around there. If a guy's getting 17 targets and you're throwing the ball, even if you're throwing the ball 40 times, which is a lot, it means Devontae Adams is getting close to half your targets. And I love Devontae Adams. I think he's great. But I think the offense is so focused around him that it's really easy for teams to figure out, which the Chiefs did. And that's why on that fourth uh that switch route play where Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams ran into each other. I mean, it was double covered perfectly. And if you jam them the right way, you can just get them to hit each other, which is what they did. So the Raiders got to figure out a way to spread the offense out. I think when Devontae, hopefully when Darren Waller comes back, that figures a lot of things out. Speaking of Chiefs Raiders, the Raiders got a big break. And Derek Carr was saved from a turnover when Chris Jones came off the edge in it from her sack in the second quarter, strip sack, takes the ball out of Derek Carr's hands, tucks it himself, and tackles Derek Carr. Incredible defensive play. Probably one of the top defensive plays of the year. But how do we know in the NFL? In the first six weeks, first seven weeks, first eight weeks of the NFL, when you do something, there's like one thing, right, that the refs are hyper-focused on. And no matter how light it is, it'll get flags thrown. Last year it was taunting. I can't remember what the year was before. This year looks like it's roughing the passer. Now, we'll get to the Grady Jarrett Tom Brady one in a second. But to me, that was different than this one. I don't agree with the penalty that was given to Chris Jones. And if you're a Chiefs fan, it's not the end of the world because they end up winning the football game anyway. If you're, the, if you're the Raiders, you had so many things go your way and still found a way to lose. But 
if I was my best guess, I'd have put money down as to why they threw the flag. This, I think, would be their argument if you ask them. I think what they felt was they felt that Chris Jones had possession of the football and made no effort to turn his body in a way where he wouldn't put his full body weight on top of Derek Carr. Now, you can say, I, I get it. You can say, okay, this is not the Matrix. What would you like him to do? No, I get that, and I can mess with that, and I can understand that. And I actually agree with you. But I'm saying I think that would be their comeback to you as to why they threw the flag. Is because he had possession of the football and basically tackled the quarterback. And again, if this is any other player on the field besides quarterback, I think you get away with it. But also, there's not another position on the field that has roughing the passer. So don't don't get too uptight with me. And I'll tell you why I actually don't hate the call in a second. But let's move to the Tom Brady one. Tom Brady gave Brady Jarrett. This is why they threw that flag. You go back. That exact same hit where... You're falling down and you use your body in like centripetal force. I hope that's the right way to use that. And because you're falling and you're whipping, you're rolling, your body weight becomes a counterweight and you end up whipping them to the ground like what happened with Tua Tagovailoa against the Bengals two weeks ago. Which I don't even feel like, I don't feel like I see that hit a whole lot. And I also don't ever remember seeing it where he whips as fast as Tua did. That being said, everybody was in a little bit of shock. And don't act like you weren't. Everybody everybody felt when you watch that Tua hit, you're like, oh. Like, it got, it, it got the heartbeat slowed down a little bit. And it, it just made you remember the realities and the dangers of football. My best bet is that the ref saw that flag. He felt the the short amount of PTSD that the rest of us felt when we watched Tua get hit that first time, and he threw the flag. Because yesterday, Dean Blandino, or not Dean Blandino, uh, Mike Pereira said that he doesn't believe, Mike Pereira is the uh, officiating analyst on Fox. He said that he doesn't believe that there's been any memo given to officials. And if you watch the press conference, or not press conference, but the official who made that flag, threw that flag, gave a statement. And they asked him if he threw it because of Tua. And he said, not necessarily. I don't know what, like, not necessarily means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I'll tell you what not necessarily does not mean. It does not mean no. It means not necessarily is the equivalent of, yeah, maybe. Or it could have been. You watch the videos, they're identical. And that one hit looked like it nearly, like I'm not exaggerating or being hyperbolic here. It nearly killed. It, or at least caused, like made him brain dead. Like it did some serious damage to Tua Loa in between the imagery in the head with the fingers, the whole deal. This is why I don't have an issue with throwing the flag and roughing the passer. And you're going to hate me for this, but you're going to understand this. The NFL is a quarterback's league. Like, tell me the last MVP that wasn't a quarterback. You have the Adrian Petersons of the world. You have the times that 
the J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald probably should have won it. But for the most part, it's quarterbacks. Because quarterback is the epitome of football. It's probably one of the most more different positions than anything else on sports. And everything relies on the quarterback. Everything goes through the quarterback. Even handing the football off to the running back. A basic play that my grandma could make goes through the quarterback. And anyone who owns a business, whatever the number one resources or the number one asset to your company is, you do not want that to be fluid. You do not want that to be volatile. And you do not want that asset to be subject to danger 24-7. Because here's the deal. We don't watch teams with bad quarterbacks. I mean, Colin Coward has an entire segment where he picks the playoffs based on quarterbacks, and more times than not, he's right. Quarterback is the most, probably the most single critically pos- important position in all of sports. Again, everything relies on the quarterback. So, so I get it. I played defense in high school. I haven't played defense in the NFL, but like I, I understand the defense perspective a little bit more than I understand the offense. But again, you got to look at everything as a business. The NFL's out here to make money, and you're out here to be entertained. So does it suck that sometimes defenders make great plays and they get this taken away? Sure. But when you're Aaron Donald... Aaron Donald's probably the only person I would like it away with it because Aaron Donald is more important probably right now on his team than Matt Stafford. It's just important. It's, it's a, unfortunately it's about importance. It's about value. It's about views. And if you don't have it, you're not getting away with those calls because until you bring in, it's the same reason that Draymond Green can punch Jordan Poole in the face. Just absolutely clock him unnecessarily. He's just taking a couple days away from the team. But if I did that at my place of work, if the water boy does that at his place of work, or if insert backup player here on the Warriors does that, gone. You just got to know your value. Unfortunately, you got to know your worth. And in, in in different worlds, your world your worth is different. The quarterbacks can get away with a lot. And they're going to get a lot of protection. A, because we've all been reminded how dangerous football is with Tua Tango-Vailoa. And B, they just straight up bring in more money. Let's just look up the top-selling NFL jerseys. Be willing to bet you. Okay. Top selling NFL jerseys. Let's look at the top 10 right now. Number 10, Jalen Hurts. Number 5, Patrick Mahomes. Number 4, Russell Wilson. Number 3, Joe Burrow. Number 2, Kenny Pickett. Number 1, Josh Allen. For the Cardinals, it's Kyler Murray. For the Ravens, it's Lamar Jackson. For the Bears, the Bears are bad. Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. 
Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers. Jacksonville Jaguars, it's Trevor Lawrence. Chargers, Justin Herbert. The Patriots, Smack Jones. So, like, everywhere you go, the Jets, Zach Wilson. Everywhere you go, quarterback's important. Jersey sales will tell you that. I'll tell you that. We Like, that's basic common knowledge. But that's what I'm saying to you. Like, the NFL understands if the quarterbacks are out, then nobody's watching. Then people are less inclined to watch our league. Because if you know the primetime game is featuring both backup quarterbacks, and unless that backup quarterback's name is Cooper Rush, which I would argue you're watching the Cowboys for the defense more than you're watching for Cooper Rush, or because you just like to see Cooper Rush stick it to Dak Prescott, who we always thought wasn't that good, then I understand. But all I'm saying to you is that the quarterback's important, and that's why they keep throwing these flags, and that's why... Look, it, this is the other thing. I'm like, we see this every year, right? We see this. Where the NFL goes through this little stint, with this little phase where they... Just throw flags at anything that looks like it's something. Just to tone everybody down. And then week 9, week 10, we'll make it through it. So I, I wouldn't even say, I like, don't worry about it. Unfortunately, you're going to have some people cost games. But to me, I'd rather have the flags and have the Raiders have Derek Carr than have half of the teams in the NFL be on their backup quarterback. Because that's just not really football I want to watch. Okay, so Raiders Chiefs, we made it through that. Oh, oh, the other thing is, should roughing the passer be reviewable? That, I I do love the idea, because I think Chris Jones said it yesterday. He said we should have roughing the passer be reviewable. Look, I like it. My issue is, well, if roughing the passer is reviewable, how come pass interference isn't reviewable? Like, I just, I don't want to get to a, a point in our league where, like, everything is reviewable and because games always almost take close to four hours anyway and i love me some football but i don't want the games to take longer now rough and pass are probably less common than pass interference but again it's just it's just a slippery slope when you make everything reviewable so i do i do like the idea i think in that scenario yes but also i think like, there's probably plenty of plays that you remember the first time you watched it live, and then every time you've watched it since, it's just never been the same. I remember the first time I watched the Minneapolis Miracle, watching it live, turned the game on literally right at the end, right before the play happened. It's still an incredible play, but it's not the same as when I watched it live for the first time. When you watch something live, when you're reacting to it, it's just different. So I feel like if we review it, then it would tone it down. I don't know. Don't love the idea. I understand it and I appreciate it. It's just a slippery slope. All right, let's move over to the AP Top 25. The good old AP poll. So I think the question that a lot of people have is, who's one, who's two, and who's three? So according to AP, Georgia's one, Ohio State's two, and Alabama's three. This is why. And like personally, as a Georgia fan, don't love us being number one. I don't like being number one. We don't play well when we're well. I mean, historically we haven't played incredibly well when we're number one, but it is what it is. 
The reason Ohio State hasn't played any or hasn't isn't ranked number one, even though you could easily make the argument, and I wouldn't dispute it with you at all, is that they haven't played anybody. And the one team that they did play was a Notre Dame team who's no longer ranked. They played Arkansas State, they played Toledo, played Wisconsin, played Rutgers, played Michigan State. So they haven't there's not a single team on their schedule who's ranked. Now, they'll have to play Penn State next week. They'll play an Indiana team here in a couple weeks. Or in, in a month. That's looking pretty good. And then they'll finish the season out with Ohio State or with Michigan. So there's just not there's just not really a whole lot of places in this schedule for us to really find out how good Ohio State is. Because I'm not sure if Penn State is ten. I'm just not. The issue with Georgia is the last few weeks haven't been as sexy as the committee would like them to be. And then with Alabama, you barely escaped against a Texas A&M team who also has not beat anyone this season and also lost to App State. They don't have a quarterback. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing on offense. The only thing that gets them through is that they have a highly like a well-recruited defense. They've had the number one recruiting class coming into the league this year. This is what I would submit to you. And it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but it should make you happy. I think college football this year, if there ever was a year for a 12-team playoff, it would be this year. Because just about everybody has struggled. Ohio State's the only person that hasn't struggled at all this year, except for their their game against Notre Dame, who that is a little bit concerning, but they've played well ever since. Every single team has a glaring flaw. Glaring. Ole Miss played a close game with Vanderbilt. USC, they give up points to whoever wants them. Incredible offense. Caleb Williams great, but they'll give up points to whoever wants it. Tennessee, I actually think, is a very, very good football team. And I think they could have an upset going into uh, Bama week this week. Michigan. Michigan struggled with a lot of the guys that they played this week. And that's why they dropped down one in the polls. Because they've struggled with Indiana. They've struggled with Maryland. Clemson. Clemson, same deal. Keep squeaking out against teams that aren't that good. And then Alabama, same deal. Georgia, people didn't love the win against Auburn this last week, but they did blow them out, and they only gave up 10 points, and, and one of them was a stupid play when the backups were, and that's the other thing. Like, Score doesn't tell you everything. I am very excited, though, for Bama, Tennessee, because I think Tennessee's a very good football team. And uh, we have a listener whose name is Mikey. And Mikey is, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I still don't understand it because he's from Oklahoma, but he's like a diehard Tennessee fan. And he likes to come in my DMs and my mentions all the time and in our group chat and just tell me how good Tennessee is. And here's the thing. I actually think Tennessee is good. Mikey doesn't, though. 
because I, I made a bet with Mikey. I said, Mikey, if if Tennessee beats Alabama, I will wear a Tennessee shirt for the Georgia game. But if the opposite happens, you have to wear a Georgia shirt. Didn't respond in the group chat. But then messaged me and said that Alabama was going to get killed by Tennessee. And I said, Mikey, if you're so confident in that, then then why not make the bet? And he's like, because I, I don't want to wear a Georgia shirt. I'm like, bro, if, if you're really that confident, then you won't have to wear one. But I think it's because Mikey's actually not that confident. And that's okay, Mikey. If you've grown up an SEC fan, then trying to convince yourself that your team could beat Alabama... It's a tough move to swing, so I get it. I do want to talk about BYU for a second just because I, I know I have a lot of fans who like BYU. And BYU is now no longer ranked, and, and we thought that, that going in to the season after what we did to USF and what we should have done to Oregon and what we should have done to Notre Dame, like it looked like the season was going to be a success like one loss two loss and now BYU is going into Arkansas this weekend I I just don't even know how that's going to go KJ Jefferson the one thing that Arkansas do does more than anybody else in the country run the football is the one thing that BYU is incredibly bad at which I I get look I get that football is moving to a model where you just run three three five or you run three down linemen sub linebackers but that works if it works. It's not just like an inherent rule of football that you can stop the run with three down linemen. You've got to have good linebackers. And you got to have... And also, you, you, it's hard, It's so hard to get to the quarterback with only three guys. So that's my biggest issue with BYU. I also think their linebackers are more of strong safeties than they are actual linebackers. Which again, is why they give up a lot of run. I don't think they play coverage incredibly well the touchdown they gave up over the top to Notre Dame where the DB got absolutely shellapped linebacker was supposed to hand him off hand the tight end off to the cornerback didn't do that so their coverage has just been off on a lot they they don't use their fullbacks as much as they should they don't play situational football I don't feel like in not even yeah, I just don't feel like situationally they've made great play calls. Like they, they, Andrew Roderick, incredible offensive coordinator. But situationally, it just seems like he tends to make poor calls. But I am really excited for Tennessee, Alabama, and this is why. I think Tennessee has what it takes to beat Bama. Even if Rising's out. Because the one thing that... It, Alabama is usually wide receiver you. Like the Jerry Judys, the Julio Joneses, the Amari Coopers of the world, all at Alabama. And this year, like... I don't have the stats on me, but I'd be willing to bet that... At this point in the season, they've never had more drops on Alabama since... Back in the 50s when they didn't even throw the football. That's my best guess. Because these, these Alabama receivers are just, they're not special. They're good, they're not special. Jameer Gibbs is special. Bryce Young's special. But Alabama's not a world beater this year. Still incredibly talented. 
and I'm willing to eat my words if if Bryce Young comes out and shows me wrong on Saturday because Bryce Young's the best pocket present quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I'll go to my grave with that. But receivers got to catch the football. And I actually really do like this Tennessee defense. The question will be, what kind of mindset does Alabama start this football game off with? Is it that they're going to absolutely dominate? Or are they going to be a little bit off and struggle because of what they didn't do against an unranked Texas A&M team last week? Because I promise you, Tennessee's better than Texas A&M. I think Bryce Young is mil- leaps and bounds. Bryce Young makes you appreciate the fact that he can throw football on the run as accurately as he can. Because Jalen Milrow can't do that. I think J- Jalen Milrow is most likely not going to play on Saturday. It's going to be Bryce Young. If it is Jalen Milrow, then it's to me that's an easy pick, Tennessee over Bama. But Tennessee beating Bama shakes up a lot in the SEC. It makes things really, really interesting. Just as far as matchups that you have to look forward to this week, Kansas-Oklahoma. I get Oklahoma's been rolled over, but I still think that'll be entertaining. You have Penn State-Michigan. You have NC State-Syracuse. You have Oklahoma State-TCU. Obviously, Bama-Tennessee. You have Florida State and Clemson, and you also have USC and Utah and Mississippi State and Kentucky. So there's a ton of ranked matchups this week. And I don't think Michigan is as good as people th- like want to say that they are. I don't think Clemson's as good as people think they are. To me, your tiers go one through three, and then four to probably 14. Because look, UCLA is still undefeated. Oregon's a good football team. TCU can put points up like nobody's business. Still not sure about Penn State. Like everybody, again, all of these guys have things that I really love about them. They all have major flaws, which I think from 4 to 14, they're all in that same group. So it is what it is. Also, I'm making a, uh, a formal financial decision announcement here on the podcast yeah i'm selling all of my baker mayfield stock all of it Uh, like whoever's trying to buy you can have it i was just never raised where like excuses were allowed like if i ever gave my dad an excuse he always had a way to diffuse it and tell me why it was stupid and so I got, so I got so sick of getting into these arguments where I'd have to defend my excuse when in all reality I knew that I was wrong. And so every single time I'd give this excuse, I would get bodied. And then later down the line, I'd have to think about it and just be like, alright, this excuse isn't going to work. What's the real reason I'm going to give? And then eventually it was, okay, let me just be accountable for this. Let's be accountable for Baker Mayfield. There comes a point when the cards being stacked against you goes from that to excuses. Because every... So everywhere Baker's gone, 
he's had a different coach. And and not even and necessarily not necessarily everywhere he's gone, but every year in the league he's had a different offensive coordinator. Almost. And so I understand if you want to say he has no consistency anywhere he goes, but to me I look back and I come at you and I say, Okay, but there's people who are doing more with less. And we're not talking about the Dak Prescotts of the world or the Kellen Mons of the world or, the, or or these other people who get drafted late. Baker Mayfield was a Heisman Trophy winner. Baker Mayfield put up 50-plus points against Georgia in a playoff game. Baker Mayfield went to multiple college football playoffs. Baker Mayfield is not a scrub. But what I might be willing to submit to you is, is Baker Mayfield a good quarterback? Is he an average quarterback? Sure. But more than that, is Lincoln Riley one of the greatest offensive coordinators we've ever seen in football? That's where I would land with you. And and don't, don't look at me and say, oh, well, like, I could have told you that. You should have said this a while ago. Like, I'm fully willing to admit that I was wrong. Because to me, Baker Mayfield's done. Matt Rule has been fired in, in, in Carolina. And now Baker's hurt is an ankle injury. And with every year with Baker, it's something. It's either the offensive coordinator is different. The offense is different. Baker's injured. I'm just like, I feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over and over again. It's like a sitcom. It's not captivating at all. It's like, you know what? Like, this just isn't deep enough for me to believe that it could look the same and take me somewhere different. And with Baker Mayfield, that's how I feel. Because I really believe that the the Panthers could win 9-10 games this season. And Baker's real only highlights of the season has been two, and one of them was a bubble screen to LaVisca Chenault, and the other one was a bomb to Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson, it's not like Baker made him do that. Robbie Anderson's been doing that for a long time without Baker. I had hope for the Carolina Panthers. I had hope for Baker Mayfield. But I have officially gone through and I have sold all of my Baker Mayfield stock. Teams I would like to gloat about a little bit. Yeah, so... Vikings and Eagles. The one thing I will give people who, because there's a lot of people who I think last year thought Nick Sirianni was like, dude, this guy is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Just very weird. Um, hyped his team up by playing uh, rock, paper, scissors because he wanted them to compete at practice. A weird guy. But this is what I would argue. I think a good GM can make up for mediocre coaching. I don't think a a good, a great GM can make up or great front office can make up for poor coaching. 
but I think a good front office signs good players can make up for mediocre coaching. I don't think Nick Sirianni is that great of a coach. I think he's just not bad enough to run the Eagles into the ground, which is why they're 5-0. and I think Jalen Hurts is better than anyone thought he was going to be. I think, I mean, I read you, I read you those stats about like the comparison between him and uh, Lamar Jackson in their first 36 games, nearly identical. In terms of touchdowns, in terms of rush yards, in terms of points, everything. And then you go out and sign A.J. Brown. I, I honestly didn't love the move. I thought it was way too much money. But they're not throwing that much money around everywhere else, which blows my mind. And then again, your secondary, which I don't think anyone talks about, is all pro bowlers. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and then Anthony Maddox is a stud. And then you have... uh. Montez Sweat, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, and Jordan Davis. And Jordan Davis is statistically the best rookie defensive lineman in the NFL this year. And the Eagles are 5-0. and And they're going to get to go in and play the Cowboys this week. Oh, and then I forgot. Jason Kelsey and the rest of their offensive line is amazing. Miles Sanders is decent. Devontae Smith's good. Quez Watkins is a, one of the fastest receivers in the league. And so basically, any way you want to score the football, the Eagles are designed to do it. But when you run the football, you don't have to turn it over, especially if you have good ball security. And I'm I, again, I don't understand really how Kirk Cousins does it, but I love the Vikings. I love the Eagles. And they're both playing incredibly successful football right now. I do want to get to the... I know I touched on the Draymond Green thing a little bit. I want to get back to it just real fast before we finish out. Draymond's shown you who he is. And Draymond's had a lot of people go to bat for him for a long time, which I've... I don't know him personally, so I'm not going to speak like I do. I think if you're Draymond, it's going to be very hard for you to get uh, Steph Curry to go to bat for you. Or to get Coach Curry to go to bat for you. Or to get Clay Thompson to go to bat for you. When, for no reason, you got up and Conor McGregor'd this dude, like, Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G'd this guy. Just clocked to the jaw. I'm surprised Jordan Poole was conscious after it. But if you did Draymond, it doesn't make any sense for me to, to you to do that. But again, in order to have sense, you have to be making choices consciously. And when your entire life is an emotional outburst, this is how it goes. Draymond Green took a couple days away from the team. Whatever. This is a contract year, dude. Like, you're going in to a contract year. 
So, at the end of this, unless you look like the MVP at the end of the year, who's going to want this? Because it's one thing. Look, people want to bring up the Michael Jordan. And they want to bring up how much Kobe was a jerk at practice. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's emotions never cost them an NBA Finals. And maybe you're going to want to say it cost them an NBA Finals. But you can't tell me that if that doesn't happen, they don't win it. We don't know. And that severely swayed the odds. Draymond Green, unfortunately, is an emotional outburst waiting to happen. And you cannot count on someone who plays that emotionally, who can't control it. Because I'm an emotional guy. I'm a hot-headed guy. But I don't just square up on my coworkers. Especially when they're not doing anything to me. I get that he pushed you. But you got up on him while he was standing far away from you. Again, Draymond has shown you who he is. People tell you what you like. People tell you what they want. And Draymond Green has this unnecessary overcompensation to let everyone know that he's an alpha. And he wants to overcompensate more than he wants to play winning basketball. Again, I don't know how you're going to get Steph to go to bat for you after this. How are you going to get Steve Kerr to go to bat for you after this? Because Draymond Green had one of his worst years in the playoffs last year, and his shooting is worse than it's ever been. I think he does a lot of things incredibly well, and I'm not devaluing him as a player. Because I do think like Draymond Green is the closest thing to Dennis Rodman I would say we've ever seen. But I don't even think Dennis Rodman was this emotional. Dennis Rodman was more anxiety than he was anger management. Dennis Rodman just wouldn't show up. And for the guy who posted the video of it, reportedly got $2 million for it, I pray the Warriors don't sue him because that was the video that we all needed. It's not the video the Warriors wanted. But also, the Warriors lied to us and made it seem like it was absolutely nothing, like it was just a little, any other scuffle. And that was a shot. That's going to be my time for today. I'm going to go to school. And I'm going to live the rest of my life. But again, I apologize. Basically what happened was our, our I, I forgot to explain this at the beginning of the show, but I wanted to. Our equipment kind of went down. Basically, I can only record with multiple people if I'm using this certain app that I use called CleanFeed. Shameless plug. CleanFeed only works on Google Chrome. And for some reason, Google Chrome doesn't work on my computer on my home Wi-Fi. Works on my roommate's computers. Works when I go to any other Wi-Fi. Like at school it works other people's houses it works and no i can't reset my router because i don't know where it is i live in an apartment complex i think it's i don't know i think it's behind a locked door and yes i have downloaded and re-downloaded and deleted chrome so we're still trying to figure it out but i can record solo which works out because i need to start recording in the mornings because i work tuesday nights so there's all of that and hopefully i know this isn't the best it's weird sitting in a room just talking to yourself Especially after you just woke up. So, 
this will get better so just just rock with me for a second i'm sorry that it's been so long since we've uploaded but i do appreciate everybody coming to hang out so have a great rest of your wednesday and uh we will talk soon cheers whoa